And welcome to Friday, Friday Luya to you. It's Mike Opelka on the Pure Opelka podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I almost do not know where to begin because stuff could change between the time I record this and uh, <laughs> the time that you're listening to it. Everything may have changed. So many things may have changed. But on this February 3rd, 2023, we're dealing with myriad topics that could take over the headlines at any given moment. For example, China and the balloon. The balloon over our nuclear silo network out west. When I'm recording this, we apparently are in control of the balloon. Donald Trump is calling for it to be shot down. I endorse that. Gordon Chang wants it shot down. We apparently say that it's it would hurt the environment if we did that. The Chinese are telling us it's a civilian balloon. Are there any civilians in China? And what's really going to happen? And how did it get there? Balloons are real slow. It's not like it was a hypersonic balloon that showed up. But this president is on record for years now as being China friendly. And it's it's no shock if his son's been making millions off China. But Joe Biden has for several years talked glowingly about China. We have the receipts. China is not our enemy. I believe then and I'm even more convinced now that a rising China is an incredibly positive development for not only China, but the United States and the rest of the world. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. China is a great nation, and we should hope for the continued expansion. We want to see China rise. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks, but guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, not they're competition for us. China is not our problem. We can help them with some of their problems. China is not a problem. The idea that China is going to eat our lunch is bizarre. And so, what are we what are we worried about? We talk about China as our competitor. We should be helping. Do you think, in retrospect, that you were naive about China? No. Um, I, I do. In retrospect, I think you were ignorant about China. Very ignorant about China. But that's me. We might have a bonus podcast later today with Gordon Chang because we should have some updates on everything that's going on here. This is a big stinking deal. This I, I have likened on several outlets to um, the U-2 spy plane that we put over Moscow that was captured by the Russians Maybe this is a spy balloon. Yeah, it could be. I, I don't even know what to say at this point. But if um, if China doesn't pay some kind of a price for this, um, I, I'll have lost any any speck of confidence I have in this administration. And if, as one rumor was um, reported earlier, it is a rumor until it's confirmed, uh, one rumor was reported, and Biden said shoot it down, and the Department of Defense said no. I, I would have expected it to be the other way around. So we'll follow it, and there may be, as I said, 
an addendum to the podcast with additional information coming later today. So much going on today. I know it's a Friday and I know you were looking forward to a a slack day, but no, 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 no. We can't have that. There's uh, there's just too much happening. And in in, uh, conjunction with what I said about too much happening, we have uh, we have Joe Biden at the White House yesterday saying more dumb stuff. I know this is a shock to you, but the president of the United States saying some pretty dumb things yesterday, including maybe the dumbest of the week. More than half of the women in my administration are women. What? Run that by me again. More than half of the women in my administration are women. More than half the women in your administration are women. I know, I know, he, he's a stumbling, mumbling, bumbling fool. He also welcomed Bill Clinton back to the White House, which is it's interesting. If you look at the two of them, Joe Biden is 80, Bill Clinton 77, and Bill Clinton looks about 15 years older than Joe Biden. Maybe that's because he led a very, very hard life. I don't know, but uh, Biden's brain doesn't appear to be working that well. But I'm so happy to be able to welcome my president back to the United States Congress, back to the United States Capitol. Uh, Welcome my president back to the United States. What is going on between his ears? Seriously, what what is happening in Joe Biden's brain? It really is troubling to me. I don't know if we're ever going to get the answers. We're certainly waiting for whatever um, physical may have happened. We don't know. Joe may have skipped it, too. I think we should ask about it. Uh, Joe was talking about uh, sexual assault yesterday, and Bill Clinton was sitting right there. That's kind of a little bit of uh, head-scratching irony, right? Also... Directing the Office of Personal Management to develop recommendations to help federal employees take leave when they need, when they need to find safety from domestic violence, dating violence, sexual assault, or stalking. Huh, so sexual assault. And there's Bill Clinton right behind him. Wow. That was amazing. They also couldn't get their speeches correct and maybe they were going to take turns reading each other's speeches yesterday that was really embarrassing i just think it's funny they're doing everything they can there's so much focus on optics right now uh joe biden and uh, kamala are going to be in philadelphia near me later today because they're pouring money into projects and they want all the credit for it they're spending us into oblivion And they want all of the credit for it. Just just amazing that the guy is, he's compromised. Compromised indeed. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Chinese balloon situation. We will keep an eye on uh, whatever is coming out of the White House about that. There's, um, there's more Hunter news as the story about Hunter Biden and his laptop keeps changing. His attorneys went on the attack. 
They admitted it was his. Then they wanted the the law enforcement agencies in Delaware and nationally to go after anybody who disseminated the information about Hunter from the laptop. Then they retracted that the laptop was, was real and Hunter's, but they still wanted the information to be, uh, to be uh, addressed in terms of the dissemination. We'll talk to Wendy Patrick about that a little bit later. There's more Pfizer stuff that happened yesterday as uh, Project Veritas dropped another video from the same guy who said he wasn't a doctor, even though he is. The same guy who said he wasn't a scientist, even though he is. The guy who said that the um, Pfizer vaccines had some uh, concerning effects on women's menstrual cycles. Quote, something irregular about their menstrual cycles concerning vaccines shouldn't be interfering. It has to be affecting something hormonal. Close quote. Will we ever get an answer? That's what I would like to know. Will we ever get actual answers? I know there's, uh, there's immunity, apparently, that was given to Pfizer and any man- manufacturer of the vaccines a- ahead of the release. And I think that uh, we need to investigate that thoroughly. Why did we so quickly give that? when we knew they weren't fully, fully vetted. It's very, very disturbing. Uh, There'll be more from Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary. And can anyone get an actual proof of what her real age is? I've looked in two different, three different, four different bios, and there are questions about what year the press secretary was born could be 73, could be 74, could be 77. Why is there inconsistency? I'm just throwing that out there. I think we deserve to know an answer. But that's me. You know, I'm somebody who wants to question things. And then there was the big fun yesterday. At least it was big fun for me. When uh, the vote happened and we saw... Ilhan Omar actually booted from a committee that she really has no business being uh, on that committee. She was booted from a committee because she's an anti-Semite. She's a horrible person. She's never answered the questions about whether or not she married her brother, right? Absolutely important to know. Can we get an answer on that? I don't think so. But yesterday, the House voted to remove her from the Foreign Affairs Committee. And it was right down party lines. It was 218 to 211. I think this was the final tabulation. On this vote, the ayes are 218. The nays are 211 with one answering present. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Okay, so that was the announcement of the vote. Now, that's kind of interesting because we were hearing last week that there were several Republicans who were not going to go along with this. 
There were several Republicans who were going to not do as Kevin McCarthy had requested. And they were going to actually vote to keep Ilhan Omar on that committee. Which that's fascinating to me because that would have been a real signal that McCarthy didn't have his caucus in line. And the 218 voting together really sent a message to the Democrats that we are as united under this guy as you were under Nancy Pelosi. And therein lies the, uh, the big problem that Democrats are going to have. Because if Republicans are united this way, ooh, that's going to be a big stinking deal. Yeah, if we can get things done. Now, whether or not the Senate will ever go along with any of the things that are suggested, that's yet to be seen. But yesterday, after that vote happened, it unleashed hell. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the members of the squad were screaming. The members of the squad were, were in the House and they were just unleashing. And they were whining and pounding their fists. And in one case, uh, AOC actually slammed her notebook down. It was fun to watch for me. I hope it was for you as well. I think I, I have one of the squad members here, Rashida Tlaib. She was really getting into it. You are showing who you all are, really. The gentlewoman's time has expired. Omar will not be silenced. The gentlewoman's time to has Congress expired. Omar, the I gentlewoman's so time sorry, has expired. Nice respect to the rules. Your time has expired. You're supposed to shut up. That our country is failing you today through this chamber. The, the gentleman is no longer recognized, and the, the gentleman from Mississippi is recognized. So they finally cut off her microphone, which was good. They finally took her microphone and shut it down. But AOC was, she was unhinged, and, and that is always fun, like I said. And it's, it's posted everywhere. There's a lot from AOC and her remarks yesterday. Don't tell me that this is about an a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks. It is. So I'm sorry if that offends you. That's actually what happened. This woman lied after she made anti-Semitic remarks, but continue. When you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and an, an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. So she says her life was threatened. And the guy who allegedly threatened her, Paul Gosar, uh, she is seen during the speaker vote sitting next to him and talking to him. So what's the dang deal there, AOC? What's the truth? What's the reality? It really is interesting to me how these people are unhinged at any given moment. And then a few minutes later, they're actually sitting and talking to the person that they're telling us is the awful person. And speaking of awful people, Cori Bush, yeah, she's a big liar. 
Cori Bush came out and uh, she had to throw around the Islamophobic card as well perspective. So let's talk about what's really happening. Okay. Republicans are waging a blatantly Islamophobic and racist attack on Congresswoman Omar. And I've said it before, I will say it again. The white supremacy happening is unbelievable. This is despicable. It is Congresswoman Omar who has been harassed at her job for simply existing as a Muslim woman in Congress. It is she who has been attacked by a member of this body, ridiculing her as a potential terrorist for simply existing as a Muslim woman in this Congress. So rather than bring an actual accountability, any accountability to Congress, they bring this offensive resolution to the floor. This is just a bunch of racist gaslighting. We all know it vote no well too bad everybody voted yes and just so uh you know christopher hitchens the late christopher hitchens once said about the word islamophobia this brilliant statement islamophobia a word created by fascists used by cowards to manipulate morons nice concise statement right Islamophobia, a word created by fascists, used by cowards to manipulate morons. So keep screaming about Islamophobia all you want. You're not going to have the ingrate Ilhan Omar on a foreign affairs committee. She's not blocked from serving on other committees. She can serve on a whole bunch of committees. But we shouldn't have someone who is a a racist anti-Semite on the Foreign Affairs Committee. And elections have consequences. Absolutely no arguing about that. Well said. Rest in peace, Christopher Hitchens. We didn't always agree on everything, but we agree on that statement. And uh, I, I thank you for it. Some other things we have to talk about today. Oh, by the way, if you want to, if you want to read about uh, the Ilhan Omar thing, David Harsani has a great piece uh, about the media's protection of Ilhan Omar. It's in thefederalist.com. David Harsani is a great writer. Worked with him briefly over at theblaze.com, but uh, his take on this is is worth your read. And the mainstream media is, in fact, all in on Ilhan Omar. The mainstream media was uh, quick to get her booked on CNN last night so she could, um, not Ilhan Omar, but AOC, so she could keep the venting going. So the protection of Ilhan Omar through the booking of the squad happens and it will continue to happen. Just watch this weekend. Although I do think the Chinese balloons may have moved the attention a little bit away from everything swirling around this and taken some of the air out of the Democrats' racist balloon because, you know, that's their big balloon. That's their favorite balloon. They just love the racist balloon. You know, while we're in the House, let's, uh, let's get over this other story. The Judiciary Committee had its first hearing and uh, that's the one where they, they wanted to say the Pledge of Allegiance and the Democrats held it up for half an hour, even though they're never in the House when the Pledge of Allegiance is said at the opening of every session. But they objected to having to say the Pledge of Allegiance at a committee 
meeting because it takes 30 seconds and, you know, that's too much time out of their lives. So they held things up for half an hour. But the Judiciary Committee held a hearing and uh, Jerry Nadler, the ranking Democrat, and boy, is he rank, uh, said um, this uh, this first hearing will showcase the racist tendencies of the extreme MAGA Republican wing of the party. He said that. That was his opening statement, just calling the members of the panel uh, racist because they're Republicans. Well, there just happens to be a Florida congressman on that panel who is uh, a black man, an African-American, a guy I didn't know about until... I watched the hearing. Uh, this, uh, this congressman is my new hero. This congressman is uh, Wesley Hunt of Florida. Uh, Mr. Hunt, after he heard Jerry Nadler talk about the racist MAGA extremist, responded brilliantly. But this is actually not about race. This is actually an issue of public safety. And if I call this, if I call this an invasion, sir, I'm not racist. I can assure you I'm not racist. What I can assure you is that I want to make sure that fentanyl doesn't indiscriminately kill any race, religion, color, or creed. Because fentanyl doesn't care where you're from. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. Fentanyl kills indiscriminately. He is spot on. He is Wesley Hunt continuing to go after Jerry Nadler, the waddler. This gentleman right here works his tail off every single day to stop that from happening. Now, there's been a break in the dam, and that's pretty obvious. Because a couple of years ago, of course, we had some problems, but it wasn't amplified to the level that we are seeing every single day. And the reason why we have to be careful with what we call and what we deem racist moving forward in the future is because we stop, we stop losing, we start to lose focus on what the actual problem is. This administration, the Democrat Party, unfortunately, uses race as a scapegoat for everything. Bingo. Absolutely right. And that is really from the playbook of Saul Alinsky, the guy who gave us rules for radicals. And he talks about calling your opponent a name or labeling them a racist in order to freeze them, to prevent them from going on with their agenda and forcing them to then have to defend your claims of their being racist. Thank you, Congressman. Continue. And as somebody that wants to make sure that we do attack racist issues when they do occur, we can't be the boy who cried wolf and blame racism all the time. I am here to hold this administration accountable to understand that there are issues of race that need to be addressed. And sir, this ain't one of them. I applaud some of your actions in El Paso. It sounds like you're doing some great things. But I'm going to tell you, as being born and raised in Texas, living in Houston, we have a problem. And this problem has precipitated over the course of the past two years. I'm sorry if I misidentified the state you're from. Uh, Texas owns this congressman, apparently. Good for you, Texas, for electing him. I'll let him finish up. That is a fact. I get working together. I get reaching across the aisle. But this morning, I can't believe that we had a one-hour debate over whether or not we should sing the Pledge of Allegiance before we convene every day. One hour. 
that to me is antithetical to the point of this meeting today. I implore you all to be careful with using race because your son's no longer here. And I'm sorry. There's 100,000 sons and daughters that are no longer here because of fentanyl last year. Absolutely correct. Boy, is this guy a rising star. I will be keeping my eye on this gentleman, as should you. All right, what else is on the agenda? Oh, there's so many things we have to get to. I think um, I think the Hunter story is probably the other big one because uh, Hunter's documents that uh, are on his laptop and some of the photos are certainly not safe for your work computer, but I have posted a, uh, a link to the, uh, the complete collection from the Biden laptop report dot Marco Polo USA dot org. 644 pages. Biden laptop report dot Marco Polo USA dot org. Click on it at your own risk. But if uh, Hunter's upset about the dissemination of the information, but he's not taking credit for it, I think he, I think he's going to have a hard time in court. We shall see. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's step aside for a little break. When we get back, Wendy Patrick is joining us, our attorney friend. She's going to dive into this with me. I also have another question. There's a there's a crazy story out of Connecticut where parents were arrested because their children, seven and nine years old, walked from home to Dunkin' Donuts. And the mom and dad were arrested. It's not like they were living in the hood. We'll get to it next on the Pure Opelka podcast. So many things I need to talk with our friend Wendy Patrick about. And uh, we'll try and get to as many as possible. Probably at least two because I have two crazy stories that must be discussed. If you don't know who Wendy is, you're not paying attention. She's an attorney, an author, a friend, a musician. And she writes great stuff in psychology today as well. And shows up on conservative TV channels a lot. And I'm happy she makes time for us. Hello, my friend. Oh, Mike, it's always a pleasure to join you. You always have the best stories to discuss. Well, one is uh, big news in our world. And the other one may not be as big. But I think it's an important story because it goes back now almost two decades. I think almost two decades with the author of the story, the, the lady's name is Lenore Skenazy. And I know that's how it's pronounced because when you ask her, she says, Skenazy, like crazy. And <laughs> she, she might have a little relationship with that word as well. <laughs> the, uh, the headline of the story that she wrote in Reason.com is not involving her. Instead, it says Connecticut parents arrested for letting kids ages seven and nine walk to Dunkin' Donuts. And now this isn't in like downtown Hartford in the hood. This is in a, a sleepy little Connecticut town, Killingly, Connecticut, suburban, northeast part of the state. And, uh, you know, a lot of old Victorian homes and, and the kids had seven bucks that they had put together from whatever chores they were doing. And they wanted to go to the donut shop. So mom and dad said, okay. And now they've been arrested. 
and uh, for you know child endangerment kind of a thing. And I I looked at the headline, and I'm reading the story. And goes, I can't believe this this kind of thing is still happening. And then I looked at the author's name, Lenore Skenazy, as in crazy. Uh, Lenore made headlines about, like I said, two decades ago when she was arrested and made public enemy number one because she let her eight-year-old ride the subway from like Brooklyn or Queens into New York City by himself. (laughs) So uh, this is years and years ago. And she became the the parent behind the free range kids movement, which is kind of an interesting thought. But now she's writing about this, um, Wendy. This this idea of free range kids was normal when I was growing up. When you were a kid, did you have overbearing parents watching you every step of the way, or were you a free range kid? No, more helicopter, more helicopter parents than uh, than free range, <laughs> um, which actually, in retrospect, was really a blessing. I there was never an opportunity to wander off in any capacity. Yet, I was blessed enough to have parents that were very encouraging of uh, basically trying all sorts of different instruments and sports. And you know, I hated it at the time, but in retrospect, it's probably one of the um, really positive memories is that they weren't helicopter in terms of just supervising, but involved and engaged. However, Mike, I also know plenty of very successful colleagues of mine that were free range and that had parents, maybe it was because they lived in a gated community where everybody knew everybody and they <laughs> watched was in full effect, um, but they pretty much turned out okay too. I think stories about letting very young children do things on their own. Uh, I think that's a gray area that everybody is justifiably concerned about. Well, and and today when we hear that you can open up your computer and look and search for registered sex offenders in a zip code, like maybe your own zip code, and you'll start seeing things pop up, then you might say, okay, we're not letting the kids out without somebody with them at all times. But the parents felt like this wasn't a big deal until the police report, which has turned up now online, uh, is talking about there were several calls, at least a dozen 911 calls about the kids during the short time they were gone. And uh, the parents are saying, we think this is unlikely because they only made it past four homes before the cops showed up. So I, I, I'm dubious of that. Uh, and while I, I feel for the parents here, I know that the, the cops and anybody who called 911 was probably only making sure the kids were okay. But at what point do we let kids grow up? At what point is it okay? We walked out the door Saturday mornings, Fridays after school, and didn't come home until it was dark out. You know, when the streetlights are on, you come back. <laughs> So uh, my parents would be arrested every day had this kind of situation been uh, the law of the land at the time. Well, it's interesting you say that because I rarely see reports like this where you have people being arrested or or, having a police report filed against them 
for letting their kids walk to the store unsupervised, um, whether it's a donut shop, whether it's somewhere else. And, you know, I was reading this article a little more closely, trying to, you know, get a little more clues as to why this happened. And I noticed it was Super Bowl Sunday. And I wonder whether or not there were simply more people in those four homes with cell phones. Uh, although you'd think that if somebody in the, in the group was going to call, you know, three other people wouldn't also call. But you have to wonder whether there just happened to be more people out and about because it was that celebratory atmosphere. I also wonder whether there may have been different types of people, guests, um, visitors in the neighborhood because they were having Super Bowl parties. I mean, I don't know what time of day it was, but if they're getting donuts, I at first assumed that it was in the morning, but I don't know why I would assume that. I mean, there's no bad time of day to go to Dunkin' Donuts. So maybe there's <laughs> more to the story, Mike. Well, the interesting thing here is that the uh, police sergeant actually went to the house and said they were going to drop the charges because, as he said, the law concerning child negligence has a lot of wiggle room, a lot of opportunity for interpretation on the question of how kids are being neglected. And walking to a donut shop is a lot different than leaving a kid at home all day with no food and maybe no Or heat. in the back of the car when you're driving drunk or where there's loaded guns. And unless the Dunkin' Donuts, I mean, was it in a different town? <laughs> how far did they have to walk? No, they, <laughs> they didn't have far to go. And so yeah, I, I'm glad that the cops realized this was not a serious uh, offense and actually it didn't cost the family a lot of money but it's just one of those things that parenting has changed so much but I also feel like the state and I'm making air quotes with my fingers the state is getting very deep into our business when it comes to uh, decisions we can make whether or not it's going to be a gas stove or if we'll be able to drive our cars and, you know, how long will be, what temperature will we be able to keep our houses at in the summer right. and the winter? <laughs> and how long are you going to be able to shower for, Mike? Think about that. Can you do it in two minutes? That may be what you get. Oh, I don't even want to think about this. Now we're getting crazy. I, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave this one here. We'll come back to the state and the overbearing uh, attack on our freedoms. But I want to talk about this Hunter Biden story because uh, late Tuesday, late Wednesday, there was a report that Hunter Biden's new attorney, a very high-priced attorney, uh, had put out a 14-page letter basically going on the attack and saying Hunter's laptop, the laptop we all sued, assumed was Hunter's, they kind of admitted it was his and that because of that, they wanted the, um, the state of Delaware attorney general, they wanted the federal government to investigate anyone who disseminated Hunter's information and then come to hear on Thursday that they're walking away from the claim that it's Hunter's laptop, but they still want to know about the dissemination of information. This kind of feels, it feels weird to me. It feels like um, they may have stumbled in their approach. Uh, and and I, I just wondered as an attorney, what do you think of this going on offensive versus trying to deal with the constant flow of questions? Well, that, that's a strategy many lawyers take when there's a reason that they need to be proactive and get out in front 
of certain types of information. It's also a strategy many aggressive lawyers take right from the get-go, regardless of the kind of case that they're handling. What I think is most interesting about this turn of events is it does seem that there's an acknowledgement that this is, his, this is his computer, it's his laptop. And, you know, he hasn't himself been very forthcoming in terms of his own statements about this laptop. Um, it, opaque is what even liberal media has, has described his approach to, to tackling this issue. And now it seems like, at least through his lawyers, there's more of a willingness to concede that that was his laptop and then go after the way his personal information has been treated. So that does indeed sound like a concession. And we'll see where this goes, these hardball tactics they're, not, they're now taking. Um, and it seems like the argument they're making is, okay, so it's his laptop, but that doesn't mean that the information can be unlawfully weaponized. I mean, everything is weaponized if, if that means used against someone. It could be part of oppo research. But it can't be done unlawfully, and I think that's where they're on the offensive now. Well, here's my question for you, Wendy. If I'm playing the attorney for any of the parties whose names have been brought up here, particularly John Paul Mac Isaac, the owner of the shop that was repairing the laptop, uh, if I'm one of the people being targeted now by hunters, lawyers, I would say, um, Your Honor, I'd like, uh, I'd like this case thrown out of court. What is the term summary judgment on this? Uh, I, I don't think there's any standing here because once those hard drives and laptops are left uh, more than 90 days in the state, they're considered abandoned, and therefore I claim them as property. And can he not make that claim if that is in fact the law? Is abandonment going to possibly protect these people? Well, it's an interesting question. And, you know, um, abandonment, it means different things in different states, but it's usually the distinction between, you know, lost property, forgotten property, um, or just discarding something and then, you know, leaving it there. We, we talk about this sometimes in connection with clothes that we forgot that we left at the dry cleaners. <laughs> how, how long do they have to have them before they become the property of, of the dry cleaners? This is a little bit different, I would say, um, just to play devil's advocate because of all the private information that was on it. It's interesting, um, Mike, we had, I had John Paul Mac, uh, McIsaac on my radio show a couple of weeks ago today with Dr. Wendy. Uh, he was delightful to talk to and uh, talked a little bit about how this experience has really changed him. But you're right. So he, according to the lawyers of Hunter Biden, admitted gaining access and then sharing it. Um, if it were abandoned property, there could still be um, some type of claim that due to the sensitive nature of the information, it should have been, should have been treated differently. Also, when you talk about um, it, property that's owned by someone that may be privy to national secrets by virtue of being the son of the president uh, or the son of, you know, the former vice president, whatever it was back in the day, I would think there might be some arguments both sides would at least think about then because we have all this classified documents now popping up everywhere. If you've got a laptop lying around somewhere, there may be a reason to give it to the FBI rather than just look through it yourself. So there's lots of issues that I think are going to be fleshed out. It's really kind of a novel scenario, so I'm curious to see how it plays out in the courtroom. Well, if it gets there. It, I, I think it will get there. But the FBI did have the hard drives for months right. before John Paul Mac Isaac turned them over to other people, the New York Post, Rudy Giuliani among them. And, Wendy, I will make one more argument here before 
we end this discussion because I know it's only chapter one. Uh, my yeah. argument is if this is allowed to go forward, all the Storage Wars shows are open now to lawsuits <laughs> and similar lawsuits for people who left property in storage lockers. <laughs> Storage lockers, gym lockers. I mean, wh where would it end? Uh, what, what about the digital space um, in the cloud? I mean, you know, we could have a lot of fun with this. You're right. It is just chapter one. I know. And, and we will be on it. <laughs> and Wendy will be reporting uh, here on social That's media right. on her radio show, which is, is this Saturday nights? Is that when that is? Saturday. Yeah, Saturday night, 6 p.m. Pacific. It's today with Dr. Wendy. And we like to have very colorful guests on which is why we extended the information to Mr. McIsaac, who was very, very gracious to accept. Yeah, he's a good dude. I actually used his service when he still had a shop here in Wilmington. Because uh, you're there. I know. I was going to ask you about that. Okay, so you're personally familiar with the shop. Yeah, I'm a customer, or had been, ah! before <laughs> I was forced out of business. I saw him with his goofy oh. Tamar Shanter before anyone else did. <laughs> he's a good guy, though. Uh, Wendy, let's uh, let's keep up on this. I appreciate you for being there. Everybody, follow Wendy on Twitter. Great stuff on Twitter. Wendy Patrick, PhD on Twitter. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Mike. And there she goes. Always great information from Wendy Patrick. Appreciate her being here. I did get word I am going to have a conversation with Gordon Chang. So it will either be out late Friday or you can hear it. Saturday night when I'm on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT out of Philadelphia. And you can listen via the Odyssey app. 1210 WPHT. And uh, somewhere between 8 and 10 tomorrow, we'll run the Gordon Chang interview. Thanks for hanging out with us. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Tell your enemies. It's the Pure Opelka Podcast.